When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Literally, the American dream, coming from the Dominican Republic to now working with all of the amazing people that you've worked with and the awards. Then he calls me up one day and says, I have a leading role in this movie. She hate me. What is going on? I thought I was doing Victoria's Secret. They were like, no, it's Victor's Secret. <laughs> hey, what up, y'all? It's your girl, Vivica Fox. Welcome to an all-new Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Okay, y'all, get on up in here because it's today, okay? My guest today is the gorgeous and talented actress, Danya Ramirez, who came to America from the Dominican Republic at 10 years old and dreamed of becoming an actress. She made her name in roles on Spike Lee's movie, 25th Hour, and She Hate Me, The Sopranos, Devious Maids, and Jumanji, The Next Level. She launched CoverGirls Cosmetics, clean makeup for clean water with my girl, Latifa. And her latest project is a fantasy drama, Sweet Tooth on Netflix. This woman is making it happen. And we're going to find out what makes her tick and how her hustling is getting things done. Please welcome Danya Ramirez to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. What's up, mommy? Oh, my God. What an introduction. I feel like I'm hustling with you already. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You got receipts, girlfriend. Okay. You got receipts. I mean, just breaking it down. Like, you know, the fact that you came to America, you know, at 10 years old with a dream and the fact that, you know, people have to realize once you hit it, it's a continuous journey of that next hit. And, and your receipts were wonderful. So let's just start from the beginning, okay? Absolutely. You were born in the Dominican Republic, but you were raised by your grandmother. Your parents immigrated to the United States when you were just six months old. I mean, do you have memories of that? Tell us about your childhood growing up. Well, my childhood, the way that I see it in, in comparison to so many other immigrant stories, I think it's its very much like a lot of, you know, immigrant stories. You know, your parents sort of immigrate to the, to um, to America to find mm-hmm. a better future. Um, and, you know, it was no different for me. My parents moved when I was six months old, like you said. And mm. my grandmother, who's like a saint, and she actually passed away about two Christmases ago, mm-hmm. um, raised not only myself, but my sister, my older sister, a bunch of other of my cousins. And so we just grew up in a very, my, my memories of it, very humble backgrounds. You know, I was mm. born in Santo Domingo, which is the capital of Dominican Republic. But my grandmother was living in Cotuí, which is this tiny little town in the middle of Dominican Republic. So we grew up very humble, like no running water, <gasps> no electricity. Like I didn't even have television until I was like five. So for me, my imagination was really what, what kept me entertained and alive. And it's so interesting because when you don't grow up with anything, you don't really miss it. So you don't know that you don't have it. Yes, Yes, absolutely. Because to me, it sounds like you guys were rich in family and love. You know, like your grandmother 
was the one that was like, bring them babies to me. Uh-uh, no, no, no. We're going to make sure these babies is all right. Oh, absolutely. And we then, and it was just, that's the way. And we raised each other as well. You mm. know, my grandmother had 10 kids, 10 girls, two boys. So I come from a family full of women, which is why I'm such a, you know, women empowerment. And yes. you know, I love being on your show because of that. And I see you as one of these women um, that has always been inspiring to me since I, became, since I got into the business, you know, yes. and I respect your hustle. And it is a hustle, like you said, yes. within this industry, because people kind of see you uh, whenever they get to meet you in, in through the eyes of the media is when they realize like oh my god this person is brand new look at them coming in and they mm. don't realize that it's been such a journey and that you have <laughs> so many moments that feel like your breakthrough moments and then you're like oh wait what happened i thought that was going to be my my moment yes it's, you know, a, it's <laughs> like okay it got canceled <laughs> exactly it was like exactly. i thought it was gonna be huge <laughs> well gotta go back to the drawing board right <laughs> Yeah. yeah, but I think that's really what what really has helped me throughout my journey is because I have been an immigrant and I come from, you know, a different country and not having anything so early on really, you know, but love, love yes. and 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 that um an imagination. I think that is really what got me through it all. You know, I wow. never felt like I didn't like I wasn't I always felt like an entertainer. Mm. Um and then that's thinking back of like, okay, when I, I would make up songs, I would, you know, make uh, little shows during Christmas with all of my cousins. And I would like choreograph this whole show for like, <laughs> when everybody got together. And those were my early, you know, if I think of my life, they always ask me like, did you always know that you wanted to act? And when you come from a country like Dominican Republic, where yes. when you don't really have anything, you don't think that you're going to amount to anything either. You think that mm. that's your life forever. Like you don't really, it doesn't really compute that you can become anything you want. You know, right. um, that's something that's a big thing in America. Like in America, you you can be here and come from anywhere uh, of, of any economic status. And you always have this idea that if you really work, if you work really hard, that you can do anything in life. That's not necessarily the reality in, in, in my country. At least it wasn't for me. Mm. Uh, I'm the first one in my family that that broke out into the entertainment industry. So I never thought that I was going to be an actress early wow. on, even though I think back and I've always been an entertainer. You know, mm -hmm. um, it wasn't until I moved to the States that I really that I got introduced to the entertainment world um, through the modeling. You know, world. yes. Uh, With your we pretty self. That. Yes, oh, we're definitely so are. But, but you made it, now let's talk about your family because you made yeah. a powerful documentary about your family's journey to America called An American Alien. You talk about your mother, your father, your sister, you know, all of you guys migrating. What did you learn more about your family while making this documentary? When you're in in a place where you're living your life, you miss things, you know? And I, I wanted to create, to make the documentary because I did want to have, I had these questions even from my parents that, that I, I, for some reason, never really got comfortable really sitting down and asking them, like, what was that experience for them? For me, I felt not being young and, and not living with my parents, it, it just felt more of a, an abandonment. Like it didn't realize mm. like this was something that, and that's not to say like, you know, it didn't shape me to be, uh, to be a, a more driven kind of 
you know, person because yes. it did, you know, so I never look at myself sort of like from a victimized perspective. So yes. I wanted to make the documentary because I wanted to not only have healing for myself, but also have healing for them. And if that can somehow translate into a story that people could have related to, that's what I wanted to do. And, and to really come from, from a place of like, this is what being an immigrant in America is like for me, this is what it was like for my parents. And I did feel like I got a, a beautiful um, answer from my mom when she, you know, really opened up and said, you know, my American dream is you guys. And the fact that you guys have become successful, that was a really interesting and beautiful moment for, for myself. And I think my sisters and my cousins, we all needed to have some kind of, uh, I don't know if it's closure, but like, yes. mom, you know, like yes. just something like just putting it out in the open. Like this is like, what did, what did it feel like for you? Because this is what it felt like for us. And for us to have that empathy and compassion and understanding for one another is very important because, you know, it really starts all, it all starts with family, right? Absolutely. That's your, that's your nucleus. That's like, if you can figure out a way to find that love and, 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 and understand each other there, then it's easier for you to relate to, to the rest of the world, you know? And I really, I really wanted that. And can I say with us brown people that we're so prideful <laughs> that there's things that we don't like to talk about. Do you know what I mean? And we, we, we are like, no, everything's okay. We're good. You know? And it's like you said, it gave you answers. Like I'm sure now that you're a mother, it's easier for you to talk to your children about journeys and, and things that we Brown people go through. But like my family, my mom and them, like we didn't like to admit things were wrong or that it was like, no, that's just what we did. And, and, (laughs) and sacrifices, that's what we did. But it's like, sometimes you just want to hear the answers to, I did this because, and for you to know and not make up your own story. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. I mean, I think lack of communication can lead to miscommunication completely because yes. illegal, everything's open to interpretation mm. and uh, an assumption. And I did have a lot of assumptions as to like what my parents, ha- parents had gone through even coming to America and what that journey was like for them, obviously, because I only knew what it was like for me. So the, I think the documentary really, you know, put a lot of those moving pieces together, you know, in a, in a, in a cohesive way for me to really understand it all. And, and it really was a, it lifted a big thing of my shoulders and of yes. my family's shoulder. And, you know, it was really well received. I did it for, um, I believe it was uh, Immigrant Heritage Month. Mm. Uh, it was uh, yes. the first video that was actually done for Immigrant Heritage Month. And I was very grateful that I got the opportunity to not only, you know, talk about my family, but to be a part of directing it as well. So that okay. I, I could- yeah, director. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So the journey, um, the journey for us has been has been one. Um, it's been a beautiful one. And I feel like more, more the more you share that with with the masses, you know, I do feel like as actors and people that have a voice. And thank you for having me on my show, because of uh, being on your show, I get to sort of like pass my message forward. You know, we're yes. messengers of this bigger thing. Um, and I get to be a part of that. So thank you. You're welcome, sweetheart.
This is Jess Betancourt, the host of DNA ID, the only true crime podcast that exclusively covers cases solved using forensic genealogy. DNA ID goes behind the headlines to answer your questions about this remarkable new crime-solving tool, how it works, how cases are selected, why the cases were unsolved for so long, and how the justice system is addressing it. I include input from law enforcement to give you the inside scoop that we all crave with a straightforward, no-nonsense delivery. You can find DNA ID on any podcast platform. Episodes come out weekly on Mondays. And then you said that your parents, that when you asked them the American dream, that you, your success was the American dream. What does now the American dream mean to you? The American dream to me, you know, I, I, I love America. I just start saying my life. I love America and I don't, I don't want to go down the road of getting too emotional, but the American dream. I cry too, girl. I do. It's all right. It's just really powerful because the American dream to me means freedom. Um, mm. And I am aware that freedom means something different to ev- everybody. Yes. So for me in particular, it really meant to have the freedom to be exactly who I am and uh, the freedom to to express myself, how I feel like expressing myself so that I can do the things that I wanted to do my way, yes. not caring about being accepted by anyone else. And, and America really in a beautiful way does that. Like it gives you the courage to really go for the things that you want. And, uh, and the way I see it, because I can only speak from my personal experience, um, just the acceptance of, of others and understanding that their freedom means something else to them is something that I really stand by. So uh, the American dream to me was just having the freedom to be able to do that and to achieve anything that I wanted, no matter mm-hmm. where I came from or the fact that I didn't speak English didn't matter. The fact that I didn't come from money didn't matter. The fact that I, you know, I am someone of color didn't matter. The fact that I, that I, I'm, you know, kind of wacky and crazy and unique. <laughs> <laughs> Now, when your family first came to America, you all lived in New York. You came to New York first? Yeah, that was such a, you know, and you see it in the documentary. That was such a beautiful moment because I remember landing in, you know, I was almost not 10 years old. I'd never been on a plane. So I remember landing in New York City and, you know, you're from the East Coast, girl. It's all full of like lights. I landed at night and I thought, I looked at my sister and I was just like, to know that, look, there's stars on the ground. And she was like, there's stars on the ground. I was like, oh my God, there's stars on the ground. This is like America is like the best place ever. And then my parents drove us to like Washington. Heights, 169th on Broadway, where we were sharing an apartment with a different family. And I was like, wait a minute. Okay. All right. You like them stars kind of disappear quickly, right? And then Main Street to New York came through, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Because I I moved to New York from uh, California and I started modeling and all of that stuff. And Mm -hmm. I, I moved from Huntington Beach, California to New York. And I lived in Hell's Kitchen, girl. So, child, oh, yeah. you can just imagine. I was like, I said, oh, my God, mama, I'd have moved to hell. What the heck is, <laughs> I mean, it was so different from California, especially Huntington Beach. So I can get it that it looks beautiful. But then when you got in the main streets, that was a whole nother thing, it, right? It's a whole other story. And, you know, that kind of just really, that was my, the first time me learning that lesson that, like, you know, it's in, to have no expectations because sometimes you can build things up in your head and then the reality is something different. But if you have no expectation, then you can see the beauty in it for mm. what it is. Like, you know, New York is just an amazing place and it's so full of energy and, you know. Yes, it is. So much. 
Uh, it, it really, you know, gave me the composition of like my person and who I ended up really, you know, being throughout my journey within even this business. So I, I am very excited about the fact that I landed in New York and I needed to figure out a way to hustle, you know, yes. my way to getting a little free, you know, free time outside because, you know, getting living with my parents and having to be in an apartment where I was coming from, like being with my grandmother in the countryside and climbing mm. trees and, like, you know what I mean, spending all my time outside in this beautiful, like luscious green country to being in like the, ju- the, the concrete jungle. jungle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a completely different thing, you know? And, and you said that you didn't speak English at first? No, I, I didn't speak a lick of English. I think I knew one song and it was like, um, <laughs> chicken, gallina, hen. It was like, <laughs> these little words. So, so how long did it take you then to learn to speak English, sweetheart? Um, I think it was about 12 when I felt really comfortable uh-huh. speaking English, uh, especially because if you know, Washington Heights in New York City is mostly Dominicans and Latin oh, people. Oh, okay. okay. And then we moved, uh, my dad kind of moved us. I'm one of three girls. So my dad was like, okay, I can't I can raise three girls in the middle <laughs> of Manhattan. I'm going to have no control. Yes. So he moved us to Jersey, to West New York, New Jersey, right outside of Manhattan. Yes. And that's all predominantly Latin people as well. So there was really no need for me to be completely fluent in English. Mm-hmm. Until I really, you know, started like tr- making the transition from ESL in school to regular, they call it regular class. All right. So that's when so I really. Then it's like, OK, we got to speak English now, right? Yeah, yes. yeah. And it was, I mean, it, that was such a journey. I mean, my God, that's all I wanted to do. I remember just watching. Um, I don't know if you remember, they had this this channel called The Box, where it was like music. So music was my was my way into really learning the lingo and the language and having kind of my swag and, you know, all of that. So it was really helpful. So did your swag then help you to get into your hustle in New York City? Oh, absolutely. It was my swag that got me some, got me noticed. Where okay. I, was, I, I used to work at a store when I was 16 years old. Mm-hmm. I used to check people's bags so they wouldn't steal at the store. But because <laughs> so, like, what are you, the bodyguard? You're like, hold up, let me check that bag. Make sure you ain't walking out with nothing. I mean, have you ever met a Dominican in West New York, New Jersey? You better be yes, careful. That part. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I would take people, I would check people's bags in front of the store and they would play these like all these 80s music, you know? So mm. I would always be dancing in front of the store. And so one day this modeling scout came in and asked me if I wanted to model. And that was the, my introduction to the entertainment world. That was really mm. the first time that I that I got into it. And, you know, it's again, the hustle of like being not, you know, being an immigrant and trying to figure my way into being cool and to being a part of like this whole American culture to then, you know, figuring out how to deal with my parents that I never lived with was also a journey. So by the time this came along and I was just uh, I was a natural hustler, like I figured my way into being secretary while I got my first modeling gig. So um, do you remember what your first modeling gig was? Oh, my God. I, I, I'm going to embarrassingly say that it was probably I was 15 years old and I ended up being in um, Central Park and I get there and I'm thinking I'm shooting Victoria's Secret. So I'm, I'm in the middle of the park and then I realize what it feels very like having me get dressed behind this cardboard mm-hmm. and I'm like what is going on I thought I was doing Victoria's Secret they were like no it's Victor's Secret 
<laughs> okay, so wait, I got a funny story for you. So my first on-camera gig, I was running from the Zitz, okay? On Melrose Boulevard, don't let the Zitz catch you. So hey, we both <laughs> have very humble beginnings. You didn't do Victoria's Secret, you did Victor's Secret, okay? And I was running from Zitz. But here we are now, still making it do what it do. So now let's move things a little bit forward. So now you decide that you're gonna move to LA at 20 years old. You drove across country, which once again, we have something in common. I did too. I drove across country with my daddy. And I was just like, my mom got me my first car. And I was like, okay, because you got to have a car in LA. I mean, come on, it's you. You have to. Yeah. So you drove to LA with $2,500 in your pocket. What made you decide to do that? First of all, to drive across country from New York to LA. <laughs> that was a hell of a journey. And then the fact that you're like, okay, I got $2,500. i am going to make it. Okay, so I'm gonna Freaking I'm gonna try it. It's expensive. It is yes, expensive. Exactly. It's yes. very expensive. So I'm gonna try to like sum this down as quickly as possible, so you okay. get an understanding of even how I even got there. So um, I am, you know, start sort of my my introduction to the through modeling. I end up doing some commercials. The casting director sends me to this audition for Spike Lee, who's doing this uh, short miniseries that was called. Um, well, the one that I was in was called Negaricas. It was him and Rosie Perez were doing this miniseries for, for HBO. And so I was going to be a part. I get the job. And that's how I got introduced to, like, the acting world. And, yes. like, I got to be in SAG. And the casting director was like, you should go. They have, they're having open auditions at the Actors Workshop Studio. So then I ended up going there. But at the end of that job... It was my first time getting home like four days in a row at like five o'clock in the morning. Mm. And I also should tell you that I was, you know, I was very advanced in school because I started school early in the Dominican Republic. So I was 16, about to start college. My wow. dad. Yeah. So my dad wanted me to be a lawyer. And so he was setting like me going to school and becoming a lawyer. I didn't really know anything about, you know, the acting world. I was sort of, you know, I was sort of like finding my way in the entertainment industry by myself. My parents weren't really supportive of it at all. Mm -hmm. They just, uh, and it wasn't, now I understand it. Like they, for them, it was like, they sacrificed everything for us to come to America to have a better future. And right. here I am like, I'm going to be an actress. And they were like, what, you know? Right. So, um, it was just always very foreign to them. So I went to school. I get home the fourth day in a row at like six o'clock in the morning from doing Spike's job, get my sack car. So I'm super excited. And when I get home, the door's locked. And it was my first day of orientation at Montclair State University. My dad is like super upset and pissed off that I'm like getting home so late. And so I... I mean, I wouldn't say at this point, I wouldn't say I, I used to always say, you know, I got kicked out of my house. And because me and my, my dad were already bumped, like heading. I know, baby. I know my mom, my mom, <laughs> she gets their old school. They believe yeah. education. Yeah. You know what I mean? This whole wanting to go and be on TV and this and yeah. the third. They're afraid. They were afraid for us because my mom was like, I don't want you to get caught off in the nightlife. You know what I mean? So it was fear. Oh, completely. It was yes. fear. It comes from a, from a place of fear where I'm like in America, I'm thinking I, there's no fear. What are you talking about? I, yeah. I am courageous. I am brave. I can do anything I want. Yes. <laughs> yes. So for me, I get home and my mom sort of like unlocks the door for me. God bless her. And lets me in. I grab my stuff. They drive me to school. And, and then I didn't speak to my parents for like almost two years. And I oh, went to school. Wow. 
Yeah, it was a journey, but you know, for me, it was, it was, it was my finding me finding my independence and try to figure out like what it was that I was really going to do with my life. And I was playing volleyball in college to sort of like help pay for some of this, my, my schooling, because my coach sort of guided me to having this job for her. So it was all these things. There were all these things happening at the same time. I was still going to acting school in New York City while studying at Montclair State University. I studied communications at Montclair State University. So when wow. I graduated, I graduated at 20 years old. I finished my 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 actors workshop studio. You know, uh, my teacher, when I finished, my teacher said, don't go to LA unless you're invited. That was her advice to me. And she's hmm. like, everybody, there's so many people in LA trying to do the same thing. You are really talented and you should really try to like make your mark here in New York before hmm. you head out. So we, she did a showcase at the, at the showcase. And it's interesting because the guy that wrote my scene ended up getting an Oscar. His name is Sean Christensen. Like, yeah. I, I saw him. I had never seen him like since the class, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I saw him getting an Oscar. I was like, Oh my God, that's Sean. Like he yes. wrote my scene yes. for, um, for to graduate from the class. And I got picked up. I looked really young also. So I got picked up by like mm-hmm. the, the, the youth, uh, the youth department at Don Bocos and Associates. And so when I graduated college, I flew out to LA first to have a meeting with uh, Don Buckle here in LA to mm-hmm. make sure that they really were interested in me. So you got so, the invitation. So I got the invitation. Okay. And I decided I you know I'm straight out like, out of school. I had a friend staying with me um, at my apartment, and I get back home and I say, you know, I'm gonna go to LA. I have twenty five hundred dollars saved up. I'm just gonna <laughs> you know buy a cheap flight, and I'm gonna figure it out. And she goes, she looks at me and she's like, I'll come with you. And she had a car. So I was like, great. So she had the car. I had the twenty five hundred bucks. And then, you know, she had like saved up some money for the gas for right. the country. OK. And we literally made it here in like three and a half to four days. OK, so you get to L.A. And girlfriend, you don't waste no time. You're making connections. You start getting exposure. You start landing jobs. I think you were telling me that you landed a job after being here for a month. Yeah. So, you know, again, for me, I I do believe in, you know, you do manifest your own reality. I'm a big believer on that. And and, and again, this is coming from someone that like born in Dominican Republic. I never saw myself as someone that didn't have things or, you know, like so for me, being in L.A. was just part of that process. So for I I was like, okay, so I'm here to act. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give it my all every single time. So I end up um, I had gotten a small job, um, you know, on a on a show like for a day. And then the next time they send me in for an audition, it was Sofia Coppola's um, pilot. It was called Empire. Uh, not the empire that ended up becoming the empire. <laughs> yes, you know, yes, yes. But at the time it was called Empire. And it was also, it was also mm. about the music industry. Uh, mm. Sofia Coppola was producing it. And so um, I think Kevin, oh, the music video director, Kevin, I'm forgetting uh, last name right now, but he knows I love him so much. So he, That's uh, right. I had worked. I worked to get, we had worked together. I had done a bunch of music videos early on in my career while I was in school. So I had worked with him before. So I walk in for a day as a day player to audition for a day player on the pilot. So I walk in and I do my audition. And just so you know, I, it took me a long time to not only feel like I could 
not when I was nervous that I could speak English fluently. Like I know that I spoke English fluently, but once the nerves would kick in, I just, for some reason, couldn't articulate yeah. as well. Yeah. So, um, so for me, um, learning lines and having to do them, it was the first time that I was really auditioning for, for outside of commercials, which is what I was doing in New York, commercials and music videos. I kind of done everything within my, in my career and kept moving on from there. So right. moving to LA was, um, that was the first audition for like a pilot that I ever had. So I walk in. Oh. <laughs> you remember those yes, days. Yes, I remember those days, girl. It's like, you think you got a down pack and you go in the room and everything <laughs> goes blank. And you're like, oh, you know, but so, but that's exactly. part of the journey. That's part of the journey. Completely. So I go in and I, it was one page and honestly, I forgot my lines, but I was like, <laughs> I just improvised and I just started talking yes. and then I leave the room and then they come after me and they say, hey, is there any way that you can look at this other role? So I was like, OK, great. So then they, they give me this other role. It was like a bunch of lines. I go back in there. I still improvise because I still didn't know what I was doing. <laughs> so <laughs> and um, and then I leave. I'm about like two hours after I leave. My agent calls me. and said I got I got a, a serious regular role oh. on this pilot. And that was my first first you know, real job um, in the industry. And it was a pilot. It ended up not getting picked up. And it so, happens. Yeah. you know, of course, but, you know, for me, the way I've always looked at my, uh, anything within this career, anything in life, to be honest with you, it's like, it, everything's icing on the cake. I already felt like I had made it. You know, I've already been mm. here. I, I'm not where I used to be, you know, where I grew up. And I just felt like, um, I have, I feel a lot. So I get to, to, to share that in any capacity and share my gift in any capacity Then I'm, you know, then it's, I'm golden. So I <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> I, no, I want to take you back just a little bit because I forgot that you worked with some pretty incredible people on videos. Come on, just break down. Throw out a couple of them receipts on them. Let them know who, whose videos you was in. Oh Video Vixen. I mean, LL Cool J. I also, you know, believe it or not, I did one of um, one of my last videos was Whitney Houston and Enrique Iglesias. And uh, oh, my God. Can I have this dance forever? And, you know, today is Whitney's birthday. So, Whitney, look at that, girl. You here with us now. Wow. You see? Wow. You see there how the universe wow. works. You asked me that wow. question because I didn't know I did not even know that. But wow. I, mean, I was a big, huge fan of hers. And that was a very big moment for me. I know that I've been yes. in videos like, you know, Jay-Z and all these people, like big people that I'm like, people always bring them up. But for me, that was, you know, meeting her um was just a it was just a beautiful, a beautiful moment in my my time and I remember her she grabbed me she looked at me and she grabbed my face and she was like oh my god you're so cute my son would love you <laughs> she grabbed my face and I was just like freaked out like oh my god Whitney is talking to me right now <laughs> I mean like literally an angel was grabbing an angel I mean that's a wow I, I miss her so much I can't even tell you she was a very good friend of mine and I I miss her so much and the fact that here she now on her birthday, which today would have been her 58th birthday, kind of is coming through. You know, <laughs> it's all wow, that amazing. We oh, that was a good moment. But I'm gonna move on because I'm gonna start crying. I swear, I and me and you both are trying not to cry <laughs> during this um, interview. So let's move on. Yeah. So that was my first. Yeah. That was my first. That was my first job. But really, my 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 real first job that really got me recognized by in uh, and and some kind of you know 
cloud within within the industry because you know mm-hmm. you can have first jobs and then you know the other jobs that were casting directors are now like oh who is that girl you know yes was uh, I did uh, she hate me uh, I had a leading role in she hate me and that all came full circle because you know I told you I got my my SAC card from Spike back exactly. when I was 16 years old yeah then I moved to LA I did a commercial that he was doing um, and then mm. that he was directing he remembered me from when I was 16 and said, if you fly yourself to New York, I will have a part for you in the 25th hour. So wow. I, he wrote a part for me or he had a part for me in the 25th hour. I was like the, the waitress that kind of comes and have this scene with like Barry Pepper in there. So I had um, that was the, that was from there. We kept in touch and. Then he calls me up one day and says, I have a leading role in this movie. She hate me. And uh, I'm not going to offer it to you because obviously, you know, you have to come in audition and, but you got to bring it. That's, you know, Spike I know is that's direct. right. Right. Okay. <laughs> and, and let's just, let's just, let's just take a moment to say Oscar winning Spike Lee. Okay. Okay. Oscar winning Spike Lee. Okay. Do the right thing. Went all the way to the Oscars. Okay. Right. Okay. So, all right. So you get this part and she hates me. So I get, so I get this part and she hates me. And, uh, I mean, it was really a surreal moment for me. And uh, then I, I, I was auditioning with like the two women that were like up for the role. And then Carrie Washington got the role of my girlfriend in it mm. and Anthony Mackie. And honestly, I mean, I'm here acting with these people. They're like, Oh my God, I went to Juilliard. And it's just like, it was very intimidating. <laughs> you know, for me, I was just like, Oh God, I just hope wait, I'm doing you, you like, I'm from the street streets in New York. Okay. How about that? But you know what? Sometimes it's like that good mixture of those who are, you know, theatrically trained and Juilliard and they mixes wonderfully with raw energy and raw talent, which it seems like God gifted you with. Yeah, that's really, you know, what what has what my journey where my journey have brought me to. And then that, you know, having that basis of like, you know, respect uh for my acting chops within the industry really opened up the doors for me to start auditioning for things like the Sopranos. And um <gasps> you gotta share your story about the Sopranos. I heard about this story with the Sopranos. So fill them in. We're gonna, we gonna make it girl. You still got, got some more stuff I got to ask you. But the Sopranos, the Sopranos almost got way huh yeah the Sopranos was an interesting thing for me because I ended up you know I was dating someone who was very close with Sheila Jaffe who cast the Sopranos so basically mm. we're having dinner one day and he's like oh you know I spoke to Sheila and Sheila said that you know your your agents had passed on the Sopranos and I was like well first of all being from <laughs> Jersey being an East Coast girl I had just started, you know, really watching TV like the last couple of years before that. And so I was a huge fan of The Sopranos and I couldn't even believe it. I was like, what? And I understood like, you know, there's also uh, a lot of um, when it comes to to agents and stuff like that, sometimes it, it, they do have their your best interests at heart. They want to try to get you the most money or you know what I mean? So for me, I didn't know if it was just a strategy to try to figure out if I could get into a, a better position, because really my role originally was only supposed to be in one episode, uh, which was the end of season. I believe they had six seasons or, or seven. I can't remember. Like, well, yeah. the, the season before the last season, I was supposed to end 
end the the season and I was supposed to come in and have one episode. And so I don't know. I had just done X-Men. And so I know that they wanted me to try to have this big movie career. And, you know, so I was young. So I think I don't know what it was, but I was a huge fan of The Sopranos. So I, obviously, I told them, I said, like, can you call her back? And I'm going to call my people like there's no way I need to go in. I don't care if I read. <laughs> I got a question. Did they did your agent ever run that by you, though? Because no. that, see, because now I'm going to tell you that now where I'm at in my career, my agent runs everything by me and allows me the opportunity to say, you know, yes or no. And, and, you know, like she didn't know, like that was something that maybe you wanted to do. But thank God how God brought that back for you to say, uh, uh-uh, no, no, no. Call them right now. We're going to reopen that door. And what happened? So I went in and I did my thing. I end up, you know, not only David Chase loved my audition. So not only did I get cast to come in for that one episode, but then they wrote me in for the final season. And I don't know if you can read this back here, but this was actually my first award ever. And it is uh, a Screen Actors Guild Award um, for outstanding performance by an ensemble cast in The Sopranos. And that was my first, uh, my first award. And, you know, it wasn't for me, it wasn't an, an individual award but it was the first time I ever got you know recognized for anything so I still have like I have it up because I'm like to me it could be my I'm like I don't even Oscar this is the same you know? <laughs> I don't I know if I'll ever get there uh, this is just amazing <laughs> well but now you did let's talk about some awards that you did receive some nominations yes. you received an Alma award nomination for outstanding supporting actress in a drama television series for heroes uh, two Image Award nominations for Best Actress for Devious Maids, and one Anemic Vision Award for Best Performance Comedy for Devious Maids. What do these awards and nominations mean to you? It's always exciting. Like I said, from, from the first award that I ever received to you know being recognized within my industry is I mean, it's a that is also a dream come true because it yeah. does give you the confidence to continue to do it. It gives you that that um that extra boost of like because there's times within this industry that we just don't know. There's times that you just don't work. You know that's the yes. reality of it. And so being recognized for 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 something that you love to do and a gift that you naturally have is it, it's always exciting. But you know what I really love about awards outside of my personal, you know, excitement of being, of being recognized is really what they mean to the world. You know, anytime Mm. someone like me gets recognized for a performance in anything, it just shows how this is a universal business, right? A universal industry in which we get to tell, we get to be a part of these universal themes via these stories that we get to tell and we get to impersonate these characters and send a message to the world where people can actually recognize themselves in you, recognize themselves in those struggles. Those universal themes are really what matter. And so being recognized for them just kind of validates the fact that we are all different, but yet can relate to these these universal stories. Did you get to get on stage and thank your mama now? (laughs) I probably did. I always love that. It's like everybody gets, I want to thank my mom, I want to thank my dad, I want to thank my, my acting, I want to thank, you know yeah. what I mean? So I, know, I always on. think, 
I always think my grandmother first. Yes, I, of I do, you know, for me, my grandmother has, has been my anchor for life, you know, and it's interesting. Interestingly enough, she, she passed away, but I feel her more alive today than I even did when I wasn't, because I didn't see her for a lot of, yes. a lot of my, my journey. You know, she lived in the Dominican Republic. She moved to the States for a few years, but then kind of moved back and mm. I never get to really spend too much time with her. So I, that's the first person that I always thank. And obviously you know, God is just greater than anything. So. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallerati, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. You have now got your own family. Uh, you got married. Tell us about your husband and, and, and your beautiful twins, which I see a picture of them behind you right there with their little cute chef. I'll just go back down. <laughs> so tell me, tell me about your husband. Um, his name is Bev Land. I actually yes. call him John. I'm the only person that calls him John. Um, okay, he... wait a minute. How do we go from <laughs> Bev Land to John? Okay. Okay, so my husband's named after his grandfather. His grandfather created this company now in Aflac, right? So his okay. grandfather's Affleck? name is John. The, the dog yeah. Affleck? <laughs> Yes, Shut up, girl. No way. <laughs> yes. So he, you know, his grandfather's name is John Beverly Amos. So, okay. you know, he was named after him. So then he went by, they they called him Bev, short for Beverly. Okay. Because his grandfather mm. was named John. So um, that's sort of like where everybody, and he just, and he just stuck. So everybody knows him as Bev. Now, when I met him and I met him totally randomly at a cafe here in LA, and we were both at this very like, changing times in our lives right okay. not looking for anything we end up sitting down start talking and honestly it felt like it felt like I knew him my whole life it felt like mm-hmm. we've known each other for lifetimes it wasn't about like I like this guy and I want to date him it was like I just felt really comfortable talking to him a mutual friend of my, of ours was there and that's the reason why we even got introduced in that moment and so uh when at the end of the meeting it was uh we started talking with didn't stop talking for like three hours. And at the end of the meeting, he, we exchanged emails. So a week later, he sends me an email. I forgot his name. Like I forgot that it was Bev. I just, I mean, I just was, we were so engaged. It wasn't about like somebody's name. It was like, so I saw John, his email was John. It started with John. So I started calling him John and he never corrected me. So it was like, after three weeks of dating, his friends were all like, I go see him at his house and he has all his friends there. And his friends are all like, Beth this, Beth that. And I look at him and I said, why is everybody calling you Beth? He's like, that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys were soulmates from the beginning. How long after that, then did you guys get married? Uh, right away. I think less than a really? month. Oh. <laughs> Girl, I'm trying to get somebody to stick. You got a husband in a month. Kudos, okay? Kudos. That's all I can say. And so now you guys have twins. Yeah, now we have twins, Gaia and uh, and Ether. Okay. Um, 
And so, you know, with their seven year old, years old now, um, he had a, a previous son from a, a son from his previous marriage. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name is Kai. So Kai actually, and this is all, I'm giving you this information also because of the name. So Kai means ocean in Polynesian. Uh-huh. And so when we had our babies and I love Kai's name. So he's, he named his son Kai Miles Land. I was like, oh my God, that's a beautiful name. I want my kids to have amazing names too. So can you name them? <laughs> and we found out that we were having twins. I was like, you're in charge of naming the kids. So, you know, my husband used to be like a history, you know, major. He's a very creative entity in his own right. And so he had looked up these names and, you know, we're very much into civilizations and gods and goddesses. And so mm. Gaia means uh, the Greek god of uh, goddess of earth. And okay. ether means the Greek god of the upper air that only the gods could breathe, hence the medical term ether. And so then we have, you know, air and, you know, uh, air, water. And gotcha. um, yeah, exactly. And earth. And so he says, I'm the fire. So I think we're done. Uh, you said that'll do it. <laughs> but wait a minute. You went back to work two weeks after giving birth. Two and a half weeks. Two and a half two weeks a half. after giving birth. I know it was, you know, it's so crazy. I mean, thank God that I, that I was doing a comedy because I was still, I think, in stitches. My So my son, Ooh. they had to suction cup him out because he wasn't ready. Right. So mm. they had, I had stitches on the inside of my body when I was at work. And so I kind of had to walk kind of weird, you know, with like this, like, shuffle. <laughs> almost, you know, walk. I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to use it. So for the last three seasons of Devious Mates, I have this like little stop and go kind of walk because I... <laughs> You push through, though. That's what women do. We push through. We make it do what it do. But also, my producer told me that you went on to play Cinderella in Once Upon a Time. And the fans were just thrilled to see a Latina play Cinderella. And so then you posted um, a video on Instagram and your your twins were saying, mommy, my mommy is Cinderella. How did that make you feel? It's still surreal. It's a surreal moment because, you know, so Cinderella, like many other, you know, movies and shows, it's not obviously it's blonde, white, you know, traditional American, (laughs) homogenized. Yes. Images. Yeah. And so um, and so to to be given the opportunity to then have my own take on what that meant and be able to portray that was already to me a surreal moment. Like I remember when I got the job, I was like in Hawaii, I started crying because I didn't even know that I was auditioning for that role. Mm. They they wouldn't tell anybody what the role was. So we mm. they sent, they flew back to LA to test for the role. All I know is that I had to have chemistry with this guy and I was like, okay, well, I'll do my chemistry read. And so then I went back and then I got the job. They called me up and they're like, you're going to be playing Cinderella. And I was like, oh my God, I'm going to be like a, a Disney. What is happening in my life? <laughs> Disney princess, what? This is crazy. And here I am, you know, this Dominican, Afro-Dominican. I love it. I, it, was a, it was a very surreal moment for me, but really what made it even more special is that moment when my children got to like, watch it on screen and I wasn't even able to be there I was filming so so my husband yeah so my husband you know had taped them and and it was just such a beautiful moment just still like I still remember it till this day and you know when it comes to that particular role it really mattered to me because of my children because I do want it I do want them to grow up in a world that they understand that anything is possible exactly there are no boxes and there is no limit to what you can do you know 
I mean, you are just getting amazing roles because now you're tackling being a superhero in Sweet mm-hmm. Tooth, which I, I looked today at, at the trailer and and, and loved it uh, because it's executive produced by Susan and Robert Downey Jr. I mean, you're just getting these diamond thrown at you for roles, honey. Okay, from Cinderella to now, <laughs> you know, this comic book TV series that's on Netflix. Um that it's it's about human animal hybrid children in a post this word always gets me apocalyptic yeah. yes girl that <laughs> word you got me thank you sister <laughs> tell me all about this new series sweet tooth yeah sweet tooth is you know what an amazing experience it has been from the very beginning um i'll give you a little background on it you know i got the role during at the height of the pandemic and when i i didn't know much about it we didn't get the script we we knew that it, susan and robert downey jr were behind it mm. um i did my research and jim mickle and Beth schwartz were you know co-creators of it the comic book was written by jeff lemire it was this like beloved dc comic and mm. um um, I I was just excited when I got the scene it was like a five page scene in which I'm talking to my daughter who happens to be half pig, half human. And I, I just connected to it because of my children. Yes. I it was it was a it was a it was a show that really was giving me the opportunity to play this mother like figure um, for for these for these hybrid babies. And and I felt really connected to to that experience. So mm. it was a big deal for me to be a part of it because of my kids and because of the message that I wanted to send out to the world. And it's a very special show. The show follows this 10 year old half deer, half human boy uh, as is on a path to self-discovery in a post-apocalyptic world. And the post-apocalyptic world sort of happens at the height of a pandemic. So it was very mm. relevant to what we were going through at this, like through yes. COVID. Um, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. You know, this is like been written. The pilot itself was, um, was shot back in 2019. So mm. they were, you know, Netflix picked it up for series a couple months before the pandemic happened. And it just felt like so serendipitous, like it was just meant to be. And it was yes. a story that the world was going to be ready for. Mm. Um, so it, the, the now getting back to the show. So he's in a path to self, on a path to self-discovery. And these hu- a lot of the humans have been you know, wiped out of the world because of this um, this disease. Yes. Now, at the same time that the pandemic hit, the, these miracle children ha- start being born and every all the children that are born from there on on are these hybrid children. Mm. So the, the the show really is about you know, find being different and, and finding your yourself and finding your family. And for mm. him, he wants to find out his origins, where he comes from, and he wants to find other kids that are like him. And that's where my character comes in. I played this like former therapist um, who after the the apocalypse comes out and and reinvents herself and realizes, okay, this is I was living in a world that was so mundane and, you know, showing up to work kind of like what life has been for all of us showing up to work was the most important thing. And, you know, I didn't not really spending time within like, what do we really want to do with our lives and what world do we really want to leave behind for our children? So she comes out uh, in a world where nature has reclaimed earth and it's just 
beautiful. Like you know, I know that people usually think of a post-apocalyptic world as like destruction, dark destruction and zombies. This is totally different. This is like green and luscious and like earth sort of reclaiming earth. And the children are the ones that are the future and the ones that really matter. And so my character, when uh, I, I end up at, in the zoo, that I end up making a sanctuary uh, to keep these little hybrid babies safe. Uh, and so they, he's making his way to towards where I'm at and you'll see and now the show has been out for quite some time so um it is it, it is a beautiful journey and a gorgeous story about like thinking of the apocalypse as you know usually people think of it as the end of the world and it could also if you look if you have a different perspective it could be the beginning of new information the beginning of something new and you know just looking at life in a different way I'm just still trying to figure out the title sweet tooth though is it, that okay, now, so- <laughs> is it now that things are sweeter because earth has been reclaimed and it's fresh and it's beautiful? I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm like, sweet tooth. Okay, that's- okay so I'll t- I'll give you, sweet tooth okay. is actually a very endearing, a very endearing, so basic way that um, the dear boy ends up joining uh, with, I don't know if you know, Nonzo Anuzi, he's an amazing actor uh, mm. from London of African descent. And so they end up joining, he ends up being his unlikely partner throughout his journey journey and he notices that this the Gus the little boy loves sweets so he's always drinking maple syrup so he kind of names him he nicknames him sweet tooth in the very first episode and that's why he's titled sweet tooth okay girl because I was trying to figure it out I was you know it's not about candy it's not about candy at all all, okay (laughs) so listen my time with you is coming to an end I mean but you are literally the American dream. Like you said, anything can happen coming from the Dominican Republic to now working with all of the amazing people that you've worked with and the awards. I want you to, to give some advice to someone who is struggling to attain the American dream. What would you say to an actress that is looking at this now today and says, I want to be just like her? My advice, well, first I'll start with just the honesty that it it is different for everybody, that there's no right way to do this. Mm. It's just your way. So because it is your unique way of doing it, just do it because you love it and don't give up because think people are going to close doors and you just have to keep knocking. And if you got to push, you push. If you got to kick the door open, you kick the door open, but you don't stop. Because if you really love to do it and you really believe that you can do it, then you can and you will. I love that. See, I have a saying that I, you know, I'm an author too, honey, that I tell um, um, actresses, they're like, I want to be like Vivica Fox, that you have to go knocking on success door. As a matter of fact, you got to kick that sucker in if they crack it open just a little bit. (laughs) Okay. Like (laughs) you have to do it. You got to go out there. Anything is possible, but you have to go after it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's up to you. Yes. It, it, it is not this this success within this industry is not dependent on anybody else but you. I've had people tell me from, from the very beginning, you you won't be able to make it if you have an accent. And here I am sitting with you talking about my life. And yeah, I mean, this is crazy. You're amazing. <laughs> you're like Vinica life. Fox. Like, <laughs> you're, I know, life is great. Well, darling, it's coming to an end. But that leads us perfectly into today's hustle hack. Today's hustle hack is hashtag the American dream. Have a vision of your life, darling. See it fully. 
You too can rise above people telling you you can't do it. You know, you got an accent, you're brown, all of that. You can defy the odds. Envision your life and go for it. It's never too late to attain your American dream. I want to thank this beautiful queen, Danya Ramirez, for being on Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. Tell folks where they can find you on social media, girlfriend. You can find me at Danya J. Ramirez. That's spelled D-A-N-I-A-J-R-A-M-I-R-E-Z. See how good I'm now? Okay, you did that. Go, go. I had to do that. I had to do that. I had to do that my whole life. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for being with us and continued success um, with your career and your beautiful family. So darling, tell your friends to follow your girl at Miss Vivica Fox on Twitter, at Miss V Fox on Instagram too. And don't forget to follow, subscribe, download to Hustling with Vivica A. Fox. It's available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you want to listen. Until next time, darlings. Bye for now. This has been a Stage 29 podcast production. The podcast is executive produced by Patty Chiano, Laferne Cusack, and Stephanie Kaysen. Our audio editors are Jackson Ruff and Jonathan DeMatty. Callie Keltz is the social media producer. And a special thanks to the rest of our podcast crew, Rwani Horenige, William Cusack, Lisa Clark, Katie Brown, and Morgan Kaler. The Hustling with Vivica A. Fox podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during the podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional.